that's Kevin Gagnon, bass player by day, electric guitarist by night, with the track of Blues Memory from his first full solo album, It Is What It Is. And that's a collection of his mostly instrumental works spanning his long career on the Windsor, Ontario music scene. Well, we're pleased to welcome Kevin Gagnon into the Folk Roots Radio studio today for an in-depth conversation about his music and the new album. It's great to have you join us today. It's my pleasure to be here. So you've been making music, what, for over 30 years now, I think? Oh, well over 30 years. Yeah, I've been playing since I was a kid, but uh, I've been playing out professionally since 78. Wow. So how did things start off for you? Tell us a little bit about, you know, why you decided you wanted to get into music. Well, it started when I was about eight, nine years old. Uh, I used to watch a lot of the players. I had some uncles and cousins who used to play together doing country jamborees. I'd be listening to them. We'd be doing, you know, the Sunday park kind of thing. And I'd go and uh, listen to them. And uh, for some reason, I was drawn more to the sound of the bass than rather than to the guitar or fiddle or anything like that. But uh, I just uh, showed one of my cousins showed me a couple of patterns on there and I tried it and I've been hooked ever since. You know, I always kind of wondered because, you know, the album is you playing electric guitar and bass. But I always kind of wonder, you know, when people are bass players... Is that because all of the other instruments are taken when they first decide they want to make music? But in your situation, it sounds like uh, you are really taken by the the sound of that bass guitar. Yeah, it was just something about the tonality of it that uh, sort of drew me to it. Like uh, uh, guitar, I, I do like guitar. Uh, it's it's a very expressive instrument. But for the bass, I find, especially in conjunction with drums, it tends to drive a tune a lot better than just having a guitar and drums because it's... You know, you can say so much more with one note than you can with five or six. So the bass guitar, was that the first instrument that you learned then? Pretty much, yeah. I just, uh, I dabbled a little bit on guitar. My brother's always had one around the house. I'd play around with it every once in a while, but I've always been more comfortable playing a bass line than I was uh, forming chords or whatever I'm playing on lead. So uh, when you play with an electric guitar, that is something that you you really do for fun then? Uh, I started pretty much to do it for fun, uh, just uh, here and there, when, especially when we were touring on the road, you didn't have much to do, right? So we'd kick around, you know, fool around with uh, songs and that, but uh, I didn't seriously start working on guitar till like my mid-20s, because I wanted to, something to help me get some songs out that, uh, you know, I had lots of ideas in my head, but no put, no way to put them out. So I had to improve on my guitar playing to get out what I what I wanted to do. So basically, I just uh, it was a tool for for me to help get my song ideas out. What was the first band you played in? Oh, there was quite a few bands. Well, mostly garage bands and you know buddies getting together in the weekends and that one when you're a kid. The first real band I kind of had the experience with was uh, playing in a high school jazz band. I wasn't in the music program, but I played with them for like two years. So I learned most of my parts there just by ear, and uh, reading was always slow to me. It's getting worse now with my glaucoma. I can barely see the notes anymore. So uh, I, I primarily I read by by ear. <laughs> so w- when you started, then that was as a bass guitarist in, in as high school. As a bass, yep, yeah. and yep, yeah, in two years I did that. Yeah, yeah. And did you, that was when you started to get a reputation as somebody that could be relied on to. To, to play bass when you needed somebody? Yeah, actually, uh, it got me into playing bass on quite a few, uh, like, private parties and uh, you know, a few uh, high school things here and there, uh, a few assemblies and whatever, pep rallies. It was always fun. Yeah. So you mentioned 78. Was was that the, the real start of uh, you in music as, as more of a, a serious thing? Well, not really, because I just uh, started playing out with uh, friends that just wanted to start getting a feel of the bars around town. I started playing at a place called uh, A-Bars, uh, that we had the Royal Tavern back there, and uh, I just took it from there and just uh, played around whenever I could, uh, whatever band will have me. You know. Tell us a little bit about getting started on the, the Windsor music scene. You know, one of the neat things about Windsor is the whole Windsor-Detroit area i mean a phenomenal area for music it must have been pretty amazing for you to to start playing at that time because i mean wasn't that the real heyday of 
music in this area? Pretty much was. I mean, there were people that were actually lining up to get into the clubs at the time, like, you know, like at uh, the places like uh, the Embassy, the, the Drop-In, the Canada Tavern. That's just the way the scene was, too. Like, you, you know, where else were you going to go on a Friday or a Saturday night or during the week or whatever, you know? And uh, it's quieted quite down quite a bit since then, unfortunately. And I imagine in those days there would be a lot of people coming across the border to to catch the the scene on on this side, you know, oh, rather yes. than just being on the Detroit side with you know Motown and Seeger and everybody else. Yeah, that was uh, when things were a lot more lax before all the trouble started back uh, at the beginning of the century, unfortunately. But uh, we used to go and watch concerts uh, at the Hart Plaza and that all the time in Detroit. And uh, we'd go and we wanted to go to a concert at Kobo. You just pretty much just take the bus over, go over for the night. It's, it's a lot more complicated now. Yeah, yeah. The first track we played, A Blues Memory, actually was the, the first piece of your music that I was turned on to because oh. this is one of those amazing interviews. You know, what happens is that I get a press release say, hey, uh, this guy's just put out his first solo album after, you know, you mentioned like, you know, we're talking now 30, 40 years uh, in the music business as a bass player. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a pretty much an electric guitar album. Blues Memory was actually the track that I was first given to listen to, to showcase. That actually is a tribute song, though, I think, to to Michael Bruce, who... Who was a stalwart on the the blues scene, right? In, in oh, Windsor? He, yes, he was. Uh, he was known for playing at the Art Park all the time. I used to see him a couple of times with his uh, his band he had at the time, and then later on, I had the privilege of working with him on a few projects. And then uh, we just did the blues scene. Uh, we helped out with the Blues Society. We played uh, a few of their shows and that. And then after a while, uh, Mike's health started failing him badly, so he had to drop out of the scene, and we just lost him. Uh, this year, unfortunately. And when did you decide that you wanted to to write this this tribute? Oh, uh, that was uh, just something to help me cope with that. Uh, it was uh, based on a tune that we used to jam out all the time at one of the blues, or sort of as a warm up, like you know, just like a nice groove kind of feel to it. And uh, Mike would always throw all kinds of stuff to it there, and uh, became a staple. With between me and him, I say, you know, we got to sit down, we got to record this sometime because it's just too much fun. But unfortunately, it just never happened. Uh, he went downhill and uh, just didn't happen. Did he get a chance to to hear the final version? No, I finished the final version after he passed. Oh yeah, that's yeah. But it's certainly a beautiful tribute, and you know, from an album, I think with some great tracks on. Now, what period of time? Did you pull the tracks together for It Is What It Is? Okay, well, I've got uh, lots of uh, sketchy ideas put away still, but uh, these are the ones that were pretty much close to finished. And I actually had uh, just one more to finish, which I finished in the state in the studio with uh, David Oppen. Well, Jeffrey David Oppen (laughs) at his studio. I just needed one more. I wanted to make 10 on there. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great job. I'd like to go back to the album and play another track. Now, we've selected Minstrel Cramp to play. What I love about this is that it this is a real opportunity to showcase both your bass playing and your electric guitar playing as well. Tell us a little bit about coming up with this track. Okay, this is just something I put together. I had a really cool groove to a bass line I was playing around with one day there, and I was... Uh, talking with uh, my friend uh, Jimmy Graham. He, at the time, he owned a uh, recording studio called In the Basement, and every year he's been putting out a compilation album of local artists to contribute songs to each of these, and uh, he asked me if I wanted a spot on there. And I said, sure, I'd love to. So I went into his studio, and I finished it up the way I perceived it, and uh, played the bass line. I had Ian Acott come in and do real drums. I didn't want programmed drums like I had on the original. I wanted something with more of a real feel. And that came together so beautifully. And Jimmy did all the production work on it, added a few things, a couple suggestions here and there. I worked with Jimmy Graham uh, in the band called Destiny, and we did some touring together. So we he pretty much knew my style. So he offered me a lot of helpful suggestions on it. And the end product was just amazing. I think Destiny, then, uh, that was one of your 
first was that one of the first bands that you really started to to move with them? Yeah, one that I really got uh, most notoriety with was that band because there was actually two versions. One of them I I started with my cousin Randy Ganya one vocal, and then uh, later on we had the uh, female singer named April Abed, and then uh, we just took it off from there. We started playing the local scene and uh, played the clubs, did a little bit of touring to Newfoundland and back. So that we all had a great time at it. Yeah. Well, it's great to have this memory. What I love about this track is the is as I said at the start is the way that you know you get to hear that that bass rumbling through and then the electric guitar coming in on top. Oh yeah, I um, love that Fender I had. That was had such a thunderous sound to her. Yeah, it's actually obviously one of the the benefits of uh, being you know adept with with both instruments. That you know you certainly have the the scope to expand what you do. Let's listen to that track just now. This is Kevin Gagnon with Minstrel Cramp from his great new compilation album. It is entitled It Is What It Is. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall.
That's Kevin Gagnon with Minstrel Cramp from his new album. It's entitled It Is What It Is. Kevin Gagnon's our special guest in the studio today on Folk Roots Radio. You know, the fun thing about doing this radio show is I get to talk to so many interesting people. To be honest, I don't actually get the opportunity to bring a bass player into the studio to chat about his music. But one of the things I do love to do is to try and learn about why people, you know, love the music that they play. And I have to say, when I received the press release for this new album, when it was released, I thought, well, I've got to talk to this guy because he's been playing music for years. And I just loved the idea that, you know, these were the tracks that you were working on, Kevin. But I, I wonder, would the people you play with, do they know that you're such a good electric guitar player as well as a bassist? Well, I wouldn't say I'm really all that great at guitar. I get by with what I know and what I do on it. But uh, my primarily, primarily, they all knew me as a bass player. Yeah. So I'd show up to the gigs, play the, play the tunes, play, you know, everybody's in. Just uh, basically, I'd, I would stick to bass. And I've always been more comfortable sitting off more to the side rather than into the front of, of a band. Always felt more comfortable being a sideman rather than a front lead singer or anything, you know, or a soloist. Or, I don't really solo on bass, but I can, but I just don't choose to. Yeah, I and per- I, I guess that's that whole rhythm section thing. I, I kind of think it's like the, oh, yeah. the John John Entwistle thing, you know, when watching the the who play and oh exactly and, you know and you know he was just so there yeah so and, tight and so tight yeah yeah so yeah. tight with the drums though yeah and that every every who song you listen to it's got that drive behind it and you know and always have townsend's ringing guitar but it wouldn't be the same if you didn't have yeah. that funny thing about bass is you don't really notice it until it's not there right right <laughs> yeah so tell us a little bit about the the songwriting because I was checking out your videos before we got together today, and you know, one of the things that you're talking about, you know, is is sort of starting off with a jam, coming up with some ideas, and then mm-hmm. exploring those. So, would you come up with the 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 electric guitar part? For instance, you know, for instance, like something like Minstrel Cramp. How did you put that track together? Oh, that one I basically wrote the whole song around that same bass line that I started with on there, and I just took it on from there. I just uh, made a couple of different changes for uh, key, uh, little key changes into the song, but basically it has the same line all the way through it. And then I just added the same thing to the guitar line, which is also like a contra melody to what the bass is doing. And just the blend of it just appealed to me. Yeah, it's good. I love the the rumble of that bass. And, you know, <laughs> the, the sometimes I... I wish that we actually had more of, you know, not necessarily bass solos, because sometimes they're just, they almost a little more than you really need. You know, it, getting back to what you were saying about, you know, John Entwistle in The Who and, and some of those other people, it's just, the, you know, so important in the bands. I'm curious as to, to who your main influences would be as a bass player. Uh, I always went with, uh, I listened to a lot of uh, CKLW. My mother always had the radio on on and playing all the Motown, I was always grooving more to the bass line. Like, as even back then, I was still, like, drawn to the way the bass sounds. You know, you get that James Jamerson James Jamerson, I was going to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. It's just a thunderous appearance of, uh, you know, just solid rhythm. Uh, you listen to every track that he ever did with a drummer. I mean, it's just it's so spot on. And that's what I try to do. I try to match with the bass drum all the time. And just try to keep that same thump, the same synchronicity, and it helps drive everybody's tunes that way. That's why a lot of people ask me for help with their recordings and that, because they want a bass line that'll match with what they're perceiving with the drums. So who else apart from James Jameson would you think of as an influence? Oh, well, definitely John Entwistle. Heavy, heavy player. That's one of my favorites. And uh, I was wondering about the Wrecking Crew. and Yeah. Yep. Every song that came from the Wrecking Crew there was just so spot on in those days. It just, uh, you can't not fall in love with that style. Yeah, yeah. And then the disco era came out, which is heavily dominated by the bass line. I was playing some disco back in the 70s too, just uh, you know, just to build my chops, basically. And fill in with doing a couple of disco things here and there. And then uh, I just get the feel they had some great bass lines in those songs. Like, you know, it's so repetitive. You know it was a drum machine back there all the time. But the, the bass lines just carried the tunes. Like, you listen to songs like YMCA and all those 
you know, those from that era. It's interesting when you, you know, you talk about playing a bit of disco back in the 70s. <laughs> I mean, I imagine you're mostly blues rock, hard rock type guitar, that, you know, bands that you tend to be involved in. Is that oh, yeah, yeah. Like we were starting, when we were touring, we were doing uh, just all covers. Like, you know, we were just a cover band doing a tour. And uh, we did uh, everything from Aerosmith up to like all the Blondie hits and uh, Benatar, you know, all the standards at the time. Yeah. That were just coming out. Yeah. And I think the key was obviously being as tight as possible, which, you know, again, oh, for yeah. any cover band is, is really important. Oh, yeah. And especially try to be spot on every night when you're out there because you're for, you're a long way from home. Yeah. <laughs> so in those days, were you playing in several bands at the same time? I mean, it seems a lot of that's a lot of what people have to do these days, you yeah. know, to try and make it in any form as, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to have any sort of of career in music uh, well, people often are taking every gig they can get yeah more so now than back then like then you could be more committed to a band if you could be working i mean some clubs were paint were working six nights a week like the riviera back in the day we were playing six nights a week i started apprenticing in a tool shop at the time so i was working six days six nights <laughs> i don't even know how the hell i had the energy to do it <laughs> but we that's the the thing with with that get enough work anymore like a lot of bars are even going even just a one night i know all the legions are i played in the legions as well eh? they used to be two nights now they're just one night because i used to play a lot of 50s and 60s and all that so but uh, everybody's going to basically one night anymore it's getting pretty sad out there yeah. now these days you're currently playing with the formula right yes yeah tell us a little bit about that band uh, it's, it's a very fun band a great bunch of guys that I play with there. We play everything from uh, Rolling Stones to Collective Soul. We try to cover everything in between, you know, for people to come out. It's just a cover band, but we have fun doing what we do. Everybody brings their certain element of their style to, to the table, and uh, it just gels very, very well. I want to go back to the, the album and play another track. You know, when we were getting together for the interview, I asked you which ones you would like to play, and you mm -hmm. suggested a few, and we've kind of blended my list and your list together to right. to produce the, the tracks we're going to listen to today. You suggested Today and Forever. Um, tell us a little bit about that track. Okay, that one I did uh, in the early 2000s uh, for my niece Ashley's wedding. I actually had some help with that with a friend of mine. Uh, I used to play in a band with Mr. called Mr. Please. His name is Todd Lalonde. And he had a mixer that I, he let me borrow <laughs> to finish this project. My, uh, this was my gift to them for their, for their wedding, something to give for them for the wedding dance. And they both played in, in bands too, eh? So she was a bass player, he was a guitar player. So I figured I'd give him something like, you know, a little bit more edgy <laughs> rather than uh, just the, like your traditional like dance one, two, whatever, you know, for the wedding dance. So I thought I'd mix it up a little bit, give him a little bit of element of heavy with that. So this is for your niece's wedding. Your niece yes. played bass too? Yes. Oh, great. Is your own family musical? I don't know how many kids well, you have. No, I, no, I just have my son. He's not into it. He was more into hockey in the day. My brothers all played when I was growing up, but I'm the only one that really stuck with it. Mm. So... Every, well, every, life gets in the way, right? You got a family, you got a house, a mortgage, and cars, and work, and it just, a lot of times, they just can't commit, you know? So you, your son didn't didn't have a feel for music at all, really? No, he just he just loves music, but that's, that's all right. Just to have a love for music, yeah. I think, is great. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's what I do every day. So, that's yeah. it. See, see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Let's listen to that track just now. This is Kevin Gagnon with Today and Forever from his new album. It's entitled It Is What It Is. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall.
That's Kevin Gagnon with Today and Forever from his new album, It Is What It Is. Kevin Gagnon is our special guest in the studio today in Leamington. Kevin's from Windsor. We're chatting about the new album. It's a collection of uh, tracks that he has brought together over a period of 30 to 40 years playing music, predominantly as a bass player. But as you hear from the tracks we're listening to today, he's also pretty good as an electric guitar player as well, as though it's interesting though when we... When I talk to him about his electric guitar playing, he's always like, well, you know, I'm not, I think you said on one of the videos or something that you were, you're not as fast as some people, but you, you do a pretty good job, I think. No, like I said, I'm not fast or flashy, but uh, I get out what I want to express. And basically that's, that's all I want to do with it. Yeah. When we were talking about the the scene in Windsor, it, it certainly has changed quite a bit compared to back at the day. Right. Um, how many bars are actually, you know, great places for you to be playing in, in Windsor these days? Well, we've got the ones that uh, are uh, actually uh, Average Joe's, Charlie's, uh, the, uh, the old Club Alouette, which is now called Rockstar, uh, the Backstage. Uh, there's not really too many large venues left. Yeah. And do you think that streaming has had a huge impact in, you know, the, the way that, you know, people are not putting up music in quite the same way? I know, you know, shifting from vinyl to CD and now to, to streaming, certainly as far as radio is concerned, really has oh, ended yeah. the whole business. Mm -hmm. I wonder whether, you know, from the point of view of live music, whether, you, you know, what you see as the main changes there. Well, a lot of people are preferring to stay at home rather than uh, go out to the bars, uh, not only because of the drinking driving laws, the no smoking in the bars anymore, and, uh, you know, just people just don't want to be bothered, seem seemingly. But there, you do get some that just, you know, they come out to uh, a performance, you know, not just to hear it, but to feel the experience of the music. Like to hear the thump of that bass drum and, you know, the scream of that guitar lead and, you know, and watch actual people doing it. And as long as we still have people that, you know, that want to see and hear that, you know, that's, that's about the only reason we'll keep playing. Right, right. Now, this album you recorded at OMS Entertainment, and I think Jeffrey David Oppen produced it with you, right? That's right, yes. Now, he's also involved in the album because he actually sings on one of the tracks, actually the only vocal yeah. uh, on the album. <laughs> This song, I, I sense, is a track that's really important to you. It's entitled One or the Other. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about this song. Okay, this one here was an unfinished work. I just basically had all the chord structure written down, tucked away in a book for about 10 years. And I just, out of a whim, I pulled it out just uh, you know to try a few things with because I wanted to put at least one more song on this compilation. And uh, I do uh, some blues jams with... Uh, with Jeff every once in a while we get together at a studio and uh, we jam out some blues tracks together both on guitar and we have some fun and he uh, offered to uh, fin help me finish not only do this project but also to help finish that song which I think he did a magnificent job of both on guitar he programmed the drums with it just the way I wanted them to sound and uh, he put. He had an idea for some vocals. That's the only vocal track on there. <laughs> That's. I thought that was kind of ironic, but I didn't want to do the singing. I really don't like the sound of my voice. I, I'm good enough for a backup singer, but not really strong enough to be a lead singer. Like I could do the background harmonies. That no problem. Jeff has got an excellent voice, and it's just fit for what I was trying to express on there. The lyrics that he came up with. He did a few different ones there. We read through them, tried them out, and. That he came on something that struck because I wanted to make like a uh, a tune that would uh, express a thanks to anybody whose uh, partner goes out, straps on an instrument every night and goes and play and do what he loves, and their partner doesn't stand in their way, just lets them out and lets them out and do what they do, and they don't give them that choice, one or the other, me or the music. Okay. And so that, I, I imagine that I was when I was listening to this for the first time, I thought, well, yeah, it was, you know, there must be huge numbers of musicians that have that big dilemma, you know, that, you know, they, oh, uh, yeah. with partners that may not necessarily understand yeah, why they need to get out and play every day. Yeah. Well, especially if you get somebody that's always working all the time, like they got a business or something, they're pretty much married to that business. And pretty soon your partner gets neglected. 
Right. You know, my my wife never felt that way, you know, and I'm grateful for that because yeah. she knows I was, you know, from the start that this is what I this is what I do, this is who I am, and I'm going to pursue this for as, as far as it takes me. And she never stood in my way once. Yeah. Let's listen to that song just now. This is Kevin Gagnon with one or the other, with vocals from Jeffrey David, and this is from his great new compilation album. It is what it is. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio. And I'm Jan Hall.
That's Kevin Gagne with one or the other from his new album. It's entitled It Is What It Is. Kevin Gagne is our special guest in the studio chatting about the project. I wanted to um, ask you about the future. I mean, you will just continue playing music as long as you can? Basically, that's my plan. Like, I don't really have a retirement plan, as you might say. Like, uh, due to a series of unfortunate events, I'm going to have to continue working for as long as I can. So to supplement that, I try to go out and play as much as I can because it, it helps out with gas, money, groceries as well. Plus, you know, if I spot a nice little bass I might like, you never know. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, all musicians need more instruments than oh, they can course. possibly yeah. ever play. <laughs> yeah, Of course, I could never have too many, really. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You record, I think, most of the, the original tracks for this album were recorded with you on bass and guitar and drum programming. Exactly. Are you continuing to work on new material? Uh, once in a while, I I do get some urges to put something together to see how it sounds like, and uh, I always have I have a little a, a track at home now that I can uh, fool around with and uh, try different ideas before I want to put something concrete down. That's sort of my sketch pad. Yeah. Do you get a chance to to play any of these tracks? Um, you know, with the bands that you're working with. I mean. Do, I, I did wonder, was there a, a, a CD launch for the album? Did you get to uh, to play these on stage in front of an audience? Has that uh, ever no, happened? No, no. I don't, I don't think it'll really fit what we're doing as far as uh, the formula because it's just uh, a little bit too much avant-garde to what we're doing. We're, we're basically a classic rock band, yeah. and people come out to hear the classic rock. Yeah. I really had no ambition to put something out, uh, to play something out live with it. You know, I'd have to throw a band together and do it the way I'd want to do it. But uh, I just put it out as it is, basically. Well, you know, I got to say, when I listened to these tracks, I thought I would come to that show. I think that would be a really fun <laughs> show to to hear these tracks played live. Yeah, but it never occurred to me to do that. I just wanted yeah. to put them out. Like I said, it was more or less as a legacy project for me that I wanted to put this out. And I released it actually on my birthday, over the 60th birthday. And uh, I've just been very proud of that, that I actually have something out there. Just to say I have something out there that people can actually listen to and hear what I really sound like and what I can come up with musically. No, it's great. If people want to check out the videos for Kevin Gagnon, you can find him on YouTube. There's about seven or eight different videos of Kevin playing bass and an electric guitar. So definitely uh, check those out as well. What I would like to, to do is to finish off with one more track. We're going to finish off with a walk in the park, mm -hmm. uh, which is more of a, this one has a little bit of a funk to it, doesn't it? Yes, it's got a more like a springy kind of funk uh, kind of feel to it. And it's just, uh, if you're walking along, it's just sort of like a background music to somebody walking through a park. I've, that's the way I kind of pictured it. And I think people can find you on Reverb Nation and other places on the web. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And remind us about uh, when you play uh, in Windsor, if people want to, to head out and catch you. Actually, uh, we play quite a bit uh, with the formula. We're slowing down for the holidays now, but we're picking up back in January. But uh, we're usually uh, playing at Average Joe's or Rockstar or Charlie's, whichever in, in the band. And I always post on my Facebook page wherever we're playing. So I can be found on Facebook, Kevin K. Gagnon. If anybody wants to check it out, I always post where we're playing. No, that's great. And I love the little videos, so you'll have to keep making those. Well, definitely. It's always a lot of fun. It's, if the wife gets a new tablet, she likes to test <laughs> out the video. So what better way, right? Well, we're talking about, yeah, with partners who, you know, need to understand that, you know, music is what you do. So what you do is you buy them something new, like a tablet, and then say, hey, come and videotape me playing guitar. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, great. Kevin Gagnon, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio today. This is Kevin Gagnon with a walk in the park from his new album, It Is What It Is. You're listening to Funk Roots Radio, and I'm John Hall. Thanks again. Thank you very much.